Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Financial matters cause a great deal of worry. Um, about 43 years ago, I sat down with my, at the time, future father-in-law, and I asked him if I could get engaged to his daughter. And this is how the conversation went. I remember it, honestly, I remember that like it was yesterday. So uh, he said, first of all, there was a long pause. I said, uh, Mr. Woodbridge, I don't think I was calling him Woody by that time. <laughs> I said, Mr. Woodbridge, uh, when I get back to Riverside, Cindy and I would like to shop for an engagement ring. But before I do that, I would like to have your permission to marry your daughter. And there was this long pause. And I, I thought, wow, what is going on? Am I going to have to say this again? I mean, it took a lot of guts to get to that point. And he said, you still going to be a preacher? And I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, that's not very lucrative. <laughs> I said, no, sir, it's not. <laughs> But here's my plan. Here's what I, I'm planning to do. I'm, I'm planning to get back to Riverside. I'm going to, in my last year of college, I'm going to start working at General Motors. My brother worked there in Southgate. And I'm going to uh, provide for her that way. We're going to pay for her last year of college. And then he said... It'll be, it'll be a privilege to have you as my son-in-law. And I thought, okay, well, that was a turn for the better right there. <laughs> That's really good. However, what's interesting is I had my plan of how I was going to provide. But I lost my job one month after we got married. God had another set of training lessons for us to learn. Don't get too comfortable being one of them. But he wanted us to trust him, not in my plan, not in our plan. He wanted us to learn to trust him, not our own ability to earn. God wants our heart. And our money is likely the fastest way to get to our heart. This is... This is what God does. This is why the Bible talks a bunch about money. He has used my finances to get my full attention often. And that's his pattern with his children. He uses finances to get our attention, to guide us, to direct us, to teach us to trust him more and more. And he wants to help us learn to deal with money in a way that helps us deal with stress. And so finances are a big deal in the Bible because they're an extremely accurate gauge of your spiritual life, of how real God is to you. Very accurate. And we're going to walk through one of Jesus' sermons this morning 
And specifically in the sermon, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, is where you find the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at the section where he specifically talks about finances and how to deal with worries about your finances. We tend to separate something as earthy as money from spirituality, from the spiritual life. But Jesus makes no separation. He welds the two together. And money management, the reason he does that is because money management is a major indicator of how real God is to us. Our spending reads like a values biography. It tells you and I what we live for, who is important to us. And God wants to help you to have the best life and live for the right things. So he gives a lot of help on how to do this in his work. So I mentioned that money management is a matter of wisdom. I, I said that a couple weeks ago. And it's important to realize that God is gracious, and, and this is what we're going to be talking about in this uh, message today. God is incredibly gracious. He wants to come alongside of you and, and help you, and he'll pick you up when you mess up, and he'll forgive, and he'll pour out the love toward you. But wisdom is not so gracious. <laughs> In fact, it's not gracious at all. And finances are a matter of wisdom. So there is a reality in the financial arena that you run into as you violate certain principles. And so uh, in Proverbs 8, wisdom is personified as a woman. And... She is talking, and she says, she, here's what she says in Proverbs 8, 20 and 21. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Folly depletes resources. <laughs> Wisdom grows them. And so we've been looking at God's wisdom for growing our finances here in this series, and we're wrapping it up today with um, what God says about finances and worry and how to handle those, specifically what Jesus says. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, um, which shows the heart of Christianity. It, it shows... If you if you read the sermon, it's it's about three chapters long in the Bible, and it, it starts with attitudes that people have that Christians, people who walk with God, who know Jesus Christ, starts with attitudes that they have. Um, it goes into prayer. It goes into uh, adultery all kinds of stuff, murder, and it, it's what, what you find in this message is that he's, he's talking about, he's taking Christianity from 
an external matter to an internal matter. He's, he's, he's making clear that it's a matter of the heart. That walking with him, that knowing God, impacts our hearts. <clears throat> this passage is considered the greatest sermon of all time. Delivered by the greatest teacher of all time. And so as I walk through the question of money... the things he focuses on brings up questions. And if we answer these questions in the right way, that's the way we deal with financial worries. So here are some questions to answer. There's four questions to answer to deal with financial worry the right way. Um, Question number one, what is most important to you? That's the first question. Matthew six nineteen through 20 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The way we manage our money is like a sonogram of our heart. I remember watching a sonogram of my dad's heart when he was 90. And this this is what it looks like, a sonogram. You can see the valves opening and closing. And you you can see those things. I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I saw this of my dad's heart at 90, and I thought, wow, that's incredible design. I mean, that that's an amazing thing that we can, first of all, it's amazing that we figured out how to look at it and then that we can see it, and that heart has been beating for 90 years, at least my dad's had. In the same way, our money habits reveal our heart. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's like a sonogram of our heart. Where you invest what you have is where you have placed your heart. It reflects your allegiance. It reflects your priorities. What you pour your money into is a gauge of what is most important to you. It's interesting, in a book called The Day America told the truth, there's a series of surveys to find out what Americans really think and what they really value and how they feel about life, and it has a chapter on money. Here's what they found in the surveys on money. For $10 million, one in four of us would abandon our friends as well as our religious faith. One in four would also become a prostitute for a week. Seven percent of us would murder someone for $10 million. They lowered it to $5 million. Same results. They lowered it to $4 million. Same results. $3 million. Same. They weren't quite sure how far, how low they could go in, in, in order to hit the, the bottom end of the the compromise there. This is why Jesus says where your money is, 
there is your heart. Because our behavior flows out of our heart. What is most valuable to us. What really matters to us. So he wants his followers, and that's why he put this in the greatest sermon of all time. He wants his followers to wrestle with this question. Where is your heart right now? Where do you want your heart to be? If you want your heart to be moving towards something or someone, you put your money there. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. If your heart is with God, you'll follow his guidelines and his principles and instructions that we've been talking about. You look over your money and your possessions and you ask, Lord, can I make sure, how can I make sure that I'm managing my money in a way that pleases you? That's the first, that's the first question that we need to ask. What is most important to me? That's the question. Uh, if money is the most important thing on your list of priorities, it generates a great deal of stress. I mean, it, it's just that you're not in complete control of how, how much money you can bring in and garner. If eternal things, what we're going to see at, at the end of this message is, if eternal things, the things that can't be shaken or ruined are most important then less stress. And we're going to see how that plays out. So here's the second question that Jesus wants us to answer. Who is your leader? Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money is the biggest competitor for lordship in our lives. It can do things, it can do many things for us, but it can't meet our deepest needs. Beatles told us this, didn't they? All right, he doesn't care for money because money can't buy him love. And uh makes you want to dance, kind of makes you, it's a catchy tune, definitely. They made a lot of money on that. <laughs> uh, in this passage, though, what Jesus is saying, he brings us to a fundamental truth in life. All of us have only one true leader. Only one God operating in our world. In this sermon, Jesus brings us to a fork in the road. And he says, you and I must choose who's going to drive this car. If you're going to be an authentic Christ follower, you must put Jesus Christ behind the wheel. 
he has to be driving the car. And he is going to take you a very different direction in handling your money than if money is your God. And it will be a road to a life of blessing and a life to the full. This is the promise of God. This is what we see, and this is where Jesus is taking us in this sermon. Putting God in the driver's seat of your life, allowing him to lead you in the way you handle your money, is the key to getting free from fear and worry. If you give him control, then he's responsible for taking care of your needs, and he promises to do that. Which brings us to question number three. Who do you trust? Jesus continues in a sermon, verses 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are are, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, one of the kings of Israel, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In in this passage right here, Jesus does a masterful job, and he peels back the curtain and gives us a glimpse of the way God feels about us. And it's, it's, he, he uses impeccable logic. He uses what's going on in our world to show us we don't have to worry. Worry is unproductive. It doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, worry is counterproductive. The first thing... Jesus does is he compares the value of human beings to birds. Here's the simple logic. We're worth far more than birds to God because humans are the most valuable creatures on the planet. When he made men and women, he made us in the image of God. He put the image of God in us. That gives us a dignity, a nobility, because we reflect him in, in some ways. And so what he's saying here, Jesus is saying, we are worth far more to God than even the most expensive pet bird. Now, racing pigeons, this is, this is a palm cockatoo. It's worth $16,000. I'm personally not ever going to pay $16,000 for that bird, but uh, raising pigeons are worth $91,000, but I didn't think that would be a great picture. (laughs) So God has given people the number one place in all of creation here on earth. 
we have tremendous value, tremendous dignity before him. And he will take care of your needs as you trust him to do that. Next, Jesus uses more logic. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Worry makes no positive contribution to our lives. If if you worry, you're going to die before your time. Worry doesn't add one second to your life. In fact, worry causes a great deal of damage. It, It literally eats us up inside. And if we don't deal with it effectively, we crumble. Here's a picture of an antique bed that I inherited. As you can see, it's a beautiful piece of furniture. Um, however, one time when I went to move that bed, it has, you have to break it down and it has rails on the side of it. And it's, it's a bird's eye maple, over a hundred years old by now. Um, and it's, it's just a beautiful piece, piece of, piece of furniture. But I went to grab one of the rails to, to unhinge it from the, the headboard. And it crumbled in my hands because termites had eaten it out inside. That was a bummer moment. In the same way, worry eats us up inside and then causes trouble in all kinds of ways. It affects our health. Here's an article on how worry affects our health. It causes high blood pressure. It increases the chance of heart attack and stroke. It makes your heart beat faster and does a tremendous amount of damage through that. Damage uh, spills over into other parts of our lives, into our families, marriages uh, included. Uh, Money is the number two cause of divorce sandwiched right between infidelity and lack of communication. Worry makes no positive contribution to our lives. So we need a way to deal with worry as we're handling financial matters. Jesus knows all of this. He knows how we're wired, how we're made, what the way we work best. And he's showing us here how to deal with the poison of worry that will eat us up inside. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares about you. Talk, speaking of God. Psalm 55, 22, one of my favorite passages, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. You cast, you cast on him. And so what this means for me is, I, as worry rises up and I begin to experience it inside, I have to keep giving it to God. I have to keep handing it over to him. I, I keep casting it on him. And I cast and I cast and I cast and I cast and I, until I win the battle with worry. 
But I'm casting my, my worry on someone who loves me deeply. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's pulling back the curtain. He's showing us how much God loves us. He continues. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's a picture of wildflowers. If God cares enough about the grass to clothe them in the beauty of flowers like this, something that lasts only a few days, how much more will he take care of people who last forever? Of course he will. Which brings us to the last question. What purpose will you pursue? Matthew 6, 31, 30, or 33 and 34. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. People are made to pursue a purpose. This is the way God made us. We're going to seek someone or something. We're going to seek after it. It's in our DNA. God wired it into us. He put it in our makeup. We either pursue the stuff of this world, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, things that money can buy, possessions, pleasure, power. If we try to fill our, th- our lives with these things that rot and fade, we come up empty. But if we pursue God's kingdom, he promises to fill us and meet our needs. He goes on, for, or going back to what he said here, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus says, what he's saying, Gentiles are uh, basically those who don't know God or trust God or uh, walk with God. So they're people that they're not faith-filled people. And Jesus says that worry dominates the thoughts of people without faith. And he's talking about people he loves and cares about who've decided to live life their own way, independent of him. And he gives, God made us, but he gives us the freedom to choose whether or not to cooperate with him, whether or not to live life his way or our own way. And when we choose to trust ourselves, the Lord leaves us to ourselves to provide our own way he 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 leaves us out on our own because that's what we've decided we've chosen to go on our own 
And that's where God leaves us if we so choose. Here's a very important promise that Jesus gives. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we're going to pursue something. If you pursue the kingdom of God, and if you righteousness just means that we're trying to live life God's way, in a way that pleases God, doing right by God. That's what righteousness means. If, if we pursue the kingdom of God, if we try to extend it in our world and try to live a way that a kingdom citizen would live and please him, he will provide all the other stuff, all that we need. My experience is, all that I need, and much more. Money and stuff are not the substance of life. Jesus says that eternal things are. And we can store up treasure in heaven by investing in them. The Bible says that God is eternal. His word is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. And people are eternal. That's what you find in Scripture. If we get to know God by obeying him, Soaking up his word, the Bible, and trying to put it into practice, um, we're investing in what's eternal. That investment will never be lost. It's also an eternal investment to set out to advance the kingdom of God. So we seek first his kingdom. In other words, we, we try to figure out how we can extend God's kingdom and help other people come to know Jesus and, and step into his kingdom, go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And the way God works to extend his kingdom today is through the church. And so we, we invest in what's going on here in church life and we extend the kingdom. That's an eternal investment. As we serve, as we, as we do what God lays on our heart to do to extend his kingdom. Um, also, giving people a priority. Doing right by people is what pleases God. That's righteousness. So, giving them a priority, the same priority that God gives them in this big scheme of things. Um, Choosing to do right by them, serving them, looking to their interests. These are eternal investments that we can make every day of our lives. And as we make those, Jesus promises we store up treasure that will not fade. It will not rot. It will not get spoiled. If we give our time and money to these things then Jesus promises to lay up treasure in heaven. And that treasure is secure. It's not going to be taken away. If we seek God's kingdom and righteousness in this way, Jesus promises to meet our needs, both financial and spiritual. If I pursue doing God's will and fulfill my role to extend his kingdom as a follower of Jesus Christ, he guarantees my needs will be met. No need to worry. He'll do the same for you. He, you can trust him. 
to do that. Uh, here are Jesus' final comments in the section of this sermon on money matters. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, I don't know about you, but I can run some really bad scenarios in my mind when I start worrying. I, I can generate a full-length suspense thriller horror movie in my mind just about stuff that could happen and i i get i get you know i get i wear myself out thinking about it sometimes but what i've learned to do is i've learned to stop at the very beginning of the temptation to run the scenario and i cast it god i don't know What's going to happen? But I know you'll you'll be in the moment with me. I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. Jesus tells us to stay anchored in the reality of right now. Don't let your mind go to all the ways things could go wrong. Stop it. Keep it on a leash. Pull it back. Rein it in. The only place that God can meet you is in the present. If you think about it, this is a brilliant statement right here that Jesus is making. He can only meet you right now. He will be in your future. He will be there and he will meet you there. But you can only trust God right now in this moment. And God wants you to meet him there. And he wants to help you in the here and now. If you surrender to him and his will in this day, he will, he will meet your needs. He will meet you in it. He will give you what you need to do the things that he's laid on your plate to do. This is the way to handle financial worry. You set your heart on God and, ex- and doing his will in your life, extending his kingdom, his righteousness, and he takes care of you. I, I'm not in control of the way my life goes. I, I prove that the very... You know, first year of our marriage, when I lost that job, I don't, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how it's going to work out, but he provides as I trust him. And he calms my fears as I learn to walk with him and do life his way. So as I wrap up this morning... I'd like to encourage you. God will guarantee if you'll set your heart on what matters to him, his kingdom, his righteousness, he guarantees that he will meet your needs. So I want to wrap up this morning by encouraging you to take some next steps. Here are some suggestions. Um, memorize the promise in this passage, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first... 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Surrender to God's priorities and purpose and faith. This is another step. Trusting him to provide all you need each day. And maybe one of these questions, you want to go back and think through more, take it before God and think about it. Uh, what is most important to you? Circle the one or check the one that is something you need to think about more or pray over. What is most important to you? Who is your leader? Who do you trust? What purpose will you pursue? This is, this is how God leads us out of worry <laughs> as we learn to trust him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that does set us free. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this sermon that you gave so long ago, but that is so relevant to our lives today. I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grasp, to get a hold of exactly what you want us to take away from this message this morning. Give us the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take. And may you be pleased as we set ourselves to do your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.